everyone. Just a quick note before we talk about Fic. We had some technical difficulties with Reed's track for this episode, so it's a little buzzy at points, and you might catch some occasional background noise. We apologize for that. Just wanted to give you a heads up before we jump in. So with that, let's get to the episode. Hey everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is Fic Click. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us each bring a fic to talk about. Um, no theme for this episode, just three fics. Nick, what are you bringing? My fic for this episode is called Make Me Feel Like I'm Set on Fire by O. Coventry. And it is a fic for the book Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha Nunn. Read. what is your fic for this episode? Yeah, my fic for this episode is The Naming of Foxes by T. Lynn. Thailand. Somewhere in there. Um, it's a Pacific Rim fic. Uh, wow, I'm excited about it. Um, Brenna, what's your pick? My pick this week is Incomplete by Astolat. It is Geralt Amir, and it is a fic for the Witcher video game series. Ooh, and it's good. And it's very good. I'm excited. Stick stick around <laughs> through the whole episode for that chat. You do? I think it is very good. <laughs> Before we get into uh, our fic discussions for this episode, we thought it would be fun to tell you guys a little bit about our process for choosing fics. Um, If you're in our Discord server, um, you may have seen folks or you may have been one of the people who sort of were curious about how we choose the fics that we do. Um, We had gotten some questions about it, and so we just thought it would be fun to give you guys a little insight into our process. I mean, yeah, this is episode 20 for us, so we've picked a lot of these fics now, (laughs) Um, not including the ones that we sort of did like for our beta test episode and our pre-ever making this a podcast just hanging out fic discussions. (laughs) Um, So we have now picked, yeah, a lot lot of fics for this podcast, and we're going to continue to pick a lot of fics for this podcast. So yeah, we thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about what what we look for when we're choosing them, what our process is, the differences, um, like week to week sometimes. Um, and not just like some weeks we have themes, some weeks we don't, but just like sometimes, sometimes you have a fic that's been waiting for months and you're like, I'm just dying to find a time to talk about this. And sometimes it's two hours before you start recording and you're still reading fic to be like, oh, which one? <laughs> <laughs> I think there is like maybe a misconception that like, we have our shit together more than we do and that like every single fic that we pick is like well thought out and like as you said Bren like something like wow I've been waiting to talk about this fic for so long or like wow I discovered this and like it set my whole world like on fire and I just like need to talk about it um no I mean for me personally there's been more times than I am comfortable with it is literally like day of and I'm in our like personal discord server just going like ah oh my god like I don't know what to bring or like me throwing like three vague ideas out and being like, do any of these sound good to you? Because if so, I'm going to speed read this fic real quick and see if it's good for the pod. Some of my picks are thought out and some of them are last minute. And you know what? That's valid of me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I think for me, I don't tend to do a ton of last minute picking, I feel like. 
Oh, good for you. I know. I'm really good at being ahead of things and staying on top of it. Uh, No, but I think like one thing for me is that the fic that I pick for this podcast is so different from the fic that I just read on my own. Um, Sometimes, most of the time, I would say it's pretty different. Um, But a lot of that is because I'm not choosing a fic just for myself and I'm not choosing it in a vacuum. Like when I'm reading a fic for the pod, I'm reading it a little bit differently. Like my brain sort of changes modes um, because I am thinking, are Brett and Reed going to be interested in this? Um, What is there to talk about in here? Is it something new that we haven't already explored on the pod? Is it um, about a fandom that we're not a little bit oversaturated with right now? Are we like going to be able to draw connections between this fic and the other fics that are chosen? Am I picking something too similar? Like the three fics for each episode, we definitely talk to each other about what we're picking so that we're not all showing up with like, oops. <laughs> either like the exact same thing or like we all brought 50,000 word fix and then we're panicking trying to read them all and take notes and everything before the show so I think there's that part of it too for me that like they're on the one hand are these for the most part fix that I have read and loved for years almost never (laughs) for me at least I've done a lot of exploring and like finding new tags and new fandoms um but then on the other hand too like is the way that we choose the fix for the pod intentional and deliberate? I would say yes. Yeah, I mean, I think my picks are definitely a mix. Um, when we started this podcast, I definitely had a list I made myself of fix that I've loved, that I thought would be really interesting to talk about, um, that fit our sort of criteria of a certain word count, um, tried to make them different fandoms, things like that. But like the problem is, even though I think I read the most multi-fandom at any given time just for my own personal enjoyment... It's still not that multi-fandom. <laughs> yeah. And over my, like, life and, like, over my AO3 bookmarks, like, it's still not that diverse. So I, I still find myself being like, well, it's not a fandom we talked about in, like, the last two weeks, but did we talk about it, like, a couple of months ago? Like, maybe I should be looking for something different. I think, yeah, I think I definitely have fix that I've brought that are things I've loved for years and was really excited about. And then I definitely have the ones where it's either, like, it's a fandom I got into more recently, or a fic I just read recently, or a fic I didn't expect to read ever and totally blew me away. And I think those are sometimes, like, bo- both both things make me really excited. Like, the fic we're talking about this week, for me, is a fic I've loved for a while. Like, I really wanted to bring a f- either this fic or sort of something similar. But then some of my other ones that I've brought that I was super hyped about, like the um, Snowpiercer fic... That came out of nowhere and blew me away, like, two weeks before we recorded. And the moment I started reading it, I was like, this is for so fic. Like, because, <laughs> like, I loved it on my own, but it also, like, sometimes I read a fic and I'm like, oh my god, I can totally see what we're going to discuss about yeah. this. And, like, that's a separate feeling than when I'm just reading, like, for my own enjoyment as well. Well, when we, like, first had the concept for this podcast, I was like... Wow, I read so much fan fiction. Uh-huh. Hell yeah, this will be <laughs> so easy. So like, easy. It's going to be so long before I need to like look for a fic. I've been reading fic for years. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, oh god, I cannot just bring this one fandom every single week because like I think I've talked about this on the pod before, but like sort of as Bren alluded to, like Bren is definitely the most multi fandom of us, but like I get very much like I'm in one fandom and even if I'm enjoying content for other fandoms like I tend to read fic for one maybe two fandoms at a time and like a lot of that is personal readings like I don't feel bad about it like I'm reading fics that I'm enjoying but like I simply cannot just bring 
the same fandom over and over and over again. And uh, and we have to compromise, too, because I feel like sometimes oh, yeah. you and I are like, hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, all three of us have, have fandom overlap, and so it is oh, very yeah. much mm-hmm. like, okay, like... Otherwise, we wouldn't have met we... each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even, like, currently, like, we all have interests that overlap, and so it is very much like, I brought a BTS fic, and so the next time that fandom comes up, like, maybe I will let Nick or Bren do it, because I just can't be the one bringing it all the time. Or, like, I decide I was just probably never going to bring a BTS fic, because I know <laughs> Nick and Reed both have much longer lists of BTS fic they really want to discuss. So I was like, okay, like, I don't have to do it, even though I have BTS fics I love. Like, you know. <laughs> it's all about compromise. I like, but I feel it's like all it about is sometimes a little bit about compromise. No, it really is. <laughs> like, and not, not necessarily in, like, a negative sense where you're, like, giving up something you really want for someone else but just in a like we're trying to make things feel balanced and even and sometimes that means like you're gonna go look for something else (laughs) well also like as a result of that like as a result of wanting to like compromise and also just diversify the fix that we're bringing i have read so much fic for fandoms that either i didn't know existed or just like never would have looked for otherwise like if you've listened to a decent number of our episodes you may or may not be aware of reed's video game corner in which like god i just cannot stop bringing the most niche weird video game (laughs) fics that i really love but like hardly ever did i read video game fics before this but because of the pod like i was encouraged to actively seek out um things that i'm interested in and just like look for fic for them in a way that i never would have otherwise um, which has been really fun. I have discovered so many things that, again, like, just would not have been on my radar. And that process in itself is fun, but also being able to discover fic in a new light because of the pod is an interesting experience. Like Nick was saying, when I'm reading a fic, considering it as, like, a fic like pic, my brain goes into a slightly different mode, but also when we're discussing fic on the pod, like, the way I view it, can be so different than if I was just, like, reading it alone in my room at 2 a.m. I feel like even with fics that I've read and loved, like, for many, many years, talking about it with you guys has given me such a different perspective on it or made me see things about it that I never would have seen before. Um, Like, for example, my um, Pokemon Nuzlocke fic. I read it and I was blown (laughs) away by it, but also I was like, this is wild. Uh Um, And and then seeing you guys... And sure, and seeing you guys, like, come at it with so much enthusiasm and also with a different reading experience than the one that I had is not only something I really enjoy, but also, I think, makes me, like, love that fic a little more or makes me love it in a different way than if I was just reading it by myself. So I really value that, too. Yeah, for reading for fit click really is reading in community, in a way, uh, with the two of you and also sometimes with folks who will listen to the show and read the fic and then talk to us about it, too. Like, I always love that aspect of it of like feel like I'm like actually in like maybe a slightly larger book club (laughs) (laughs) which is nice but yeah I don't know I think like for me also like so frequently I am reading outside of my experience and outside of my fandom experience I brought some fics that I'm like (laughs) woohoo you you tell me about this fandom (laughs) (laughs) y'all which is fun and which I like and I like not feeling like we have to be bound to like what is good by a certain set of standards that we have set mm-hmm. as like a group or something there's no rule book of like what makes a fic like acceptable to bring we're all just kind of working together to try to find things that are fun and interesting and exciting for us to chat about for whatever reason and there can be so many yeah and i think that being said like this is something that we've sort of mentioned before but i don't know that we've ever really like talked about it more than like an offhand mention but like 
we <laughs> we are not the same person and we will not always agree on things. <laughs> no, we <laughs> like, won't. I think I think as <laughs> um I think you know I think we're all like consciously trying to pick fix that like the other two hosts of this podcast will if not enjoy at least find interesting um at least like find something that there is to talk about or something that they enjoy out of it um but like you're never always gonna agree and I think we consciously decided that we wanted to make the podcast itself a really positive place where we never really bring in we never bring something to bash and like we don't really like bring like bones to pick with authors about things either we mostly try and focus on the things that we like about a fic but (laughs) we also have a pre-discussion every episode (laughs) where we spend like an hour and a half or so like walking through all the fics and talking about like what do we want to talk about on the pod? What were our notes about it? Why did we choose it as the person who chose it? And that's also where we talk about like maybe things that we didn't love as much because mm-hmm. sometimes there are those and you want to sort of get that out of the way, you know? And I just want to put that out there too because like I think we can come across like united in loving all the fix we talk about. And like I think for the most part we do all enjoy the fix that we talk about here because we were consciously trying to make them all fix that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. But you know, we have differences of opinions and differences in taste and things like that. So that's going to happen too. And I think we just like, that's not, that's, that's natural. <laughs> no, <but> like, <laughs> and that's okay. Um, like, I just kind of want to put that out there because it's something that we don't really get into in what we post like of this podcast. Um, but I think it's fundamental for us to be able to do our recording sessions well is to have that pre-discussion where we can say, ah, you know, like, this didn't really work for me. Or, like, I'm confused about this. Or, like, this wasn't my favorite, like, choice that they made. And, again, we also aren't taking that time to, like, bash authors because that's just not what we're about as fic-reading people, usually. And, like, (laughs) the stuff we bring is stuff that we, like, are consciously bringing to the pod because we like it. (laughs) But, um, yeah, you know, I I think that part, like, is something that's necessary to our process as well. I also want to say, like, on that note, I don't know, I think we've touched on it a little bit, but obviously, like, there have been some fics that we brought to the pod where one, or maybe all three of us have, like, been fully wailing about it. Like, we're like, (laughs) oh my god, this fic, like, I was in tears or whatever. Like, wow, this fic ruined my whole life. The pinnacle of art. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then there are other fics where, like, maybe I just enjoyed it and, like, thought there would be some fun things to talk about. I mean this in the absolute best way possible, but, like, not every fic has been life-changing, but that doesn't mean it wasn't, like, a fic that I enjoyed reading, you know? Like, I don't know. Or, like, your... does, that doesn't mean that they aren't all of value. Yeah, us. exactly. It's also probably like... for the better. Imagine if your life changed, like, that frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't conjure up a life-changing fic every no. two weeks. That's exhausting. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, in, in our last episode with Soulmates, I was talking about how sometimes I want to read fic that, like, challenges me and pushes me, and sometimes I just want something, like, Mm-hmm. warm and comforting and familiar and i feel similarly about our fic choices where like sometimes it's something that like really pushes the boundary or like really just made me lose my whole mind and sometimes it just was like a fun fic reading experience and like you guys said like they are both valuable yeah yeah well, i mean like good is not the metric with which we choose fix for fit click <laughs> good is part of the metric sure. um <laughs> like we don't bring things we think are bad yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) like, it's sort of like the baseline criteria is good. There are also a million other fics that we've read that we think are good that we did not bring for the pod, because, again, there are other metrics by which we are judging fics for this. And, like, 
another another aspect of I, that I think beyond just the like, is there enough to talk about? Does it fit our word count requirements? Is it a new fandom? Is it a new talking point? Like all the things we've sort of mentioned already is like, is it something my co-hosts are gonna yeah. like? Like I kind of said that already, but there's plenty of times where I read something. It's like, yeah, I'm losing my mind over this, but I know like X, Y, or Z isn't like Reed's favorite trope or. Like, Nick might not like this characterization, so I'm just, like, not going to bring it because it doesn't... I have other options, you know? <laughs> and I think we've all probably, like, felt that about things where, again, it just comes down to, like, a matter of personal taste. Yeah, and I think in all of this, too, like, for me, at least, I often find it way easier to discuss a fic without feeling, I guess, almost, like, pressure or, like, additional kind of stuff going on when I don't know the author. Um, so I have very rarely brought fix by people that I know, and I don't think that's going to be a frequent thing for me either, largely just because, like, I want to come into it fresh, and I want to, like, be able to make my first impressions and say what I thought about it on the show without, like, I don't know, I feel like it can get kind of awkward sometimes when you're like, oh, <laughs> I know this person, and, like, I want them to know that I liked their fic in, like, the certain way, but I think it can just add another layer to a discussion that can make things tricky, too. I think also on top of that, like we've mentioned trying to diversify like the fandoms we bring and things like that. And I think for the three of us, like a lot of our good friends in fandom exist in the same like two fandoms. (laughs) And it's like if we're trying to diversify, that also is a sticky point on that end. (laughs) Like if I if I was going to make a podcast where I brought my friends fic, we'd be talking about like two fandoms every two weeks. For sure. Um, (laughs) And I mean, like, again, we're friends with people who've written amazing fic. So we go tell them that in the comments and like yell at them in their DMs and stuff like that. (laughs) But I think I think that's another element to like, why we more often pick like fics from authors we don't know either we know of and we don't know personally or there's like we've never even encountered them or their fic before that happens a lot or it's Um, an orphan account i've done that a couple times or it's an orphan account (laughs) or it's an anonymously posted fic like all of that has happened and i think like that's part of us trying to bring in a wider view than just like what we see on our twitter timelines every day so now that we've discussed how we pick our fics let's dive into the three we chose for this episode So my pick for this episode is Make Me Feel Like I'm Set on Fire by O Coventry, which is a lay ren fic for the book series Girls of Paper and Fire. Uh, the only book that was out when this was written, and I think that's still the case, is the first one, Girls of Paper and Fire. So that is the only book that we'll be discussing here. So the main content warning is forced prostitution. It is dealt with very centrally as a topic in the book, um, and it is essentially how the characters meet they are both kidnapped uh, and brought to what is called the paper house um, where they meet and they meet some of the other so-called paper girls um, all of whom are essentially being trained to be like courtesans basically um, for the king so That's the main thing. If that's something that's sensitive for you, you are more than welcome to skip over this. Go check out the other conversations. Uh, The fic really doesn't deal with it very much, but the source content is going to inform our discussion of it. So just FYI. Um, Yeah, otherwise, the the book has some violence, but the fic is very, very um, lighthearted in many ways, even though there is a really sad backdrop. Um, It's very romantic. It's very light. So yeah. 
Um, in Girls of Paper and Fire, our main character is named Lei. It is a first-person perspective, and she is our narrator. So she is taken from her home village and brought to the paper house, where she meets a bunch of other girls, including Ren. Ren is from a different sort of province very far away, um, and she's very mysterious. She's very cool. Uh, Lei is like, ooh, who's that cool girl? Uh, it's Ren. And she has been trained as a warrior her entire life, we learn later on in the fic. So um, when Ren was very young, her entire sort of clan family is wiped out by the king when he is pretty much colonizing the entire area. And she spends her childhood training in martial arts and other forms of fighting so that she can then be volunteered forward as a paper girl to kill the king. So it's like a, she's an assassin, basically. It's pretty cool. Uh, spoilers for the book. Lei actually ends up killing the king. Hell yeah. Uh, you love to see it. <laughs> and this pairing is canon. Uh, the book very, very centrally deals with their romance. It is the main romance. Um, it is treated with a lot of respect. I really loved this book. Um, it's obviously quite heavy, but it brought me a lot of joy. Uh, the folklore that is behind the book is all based on um, East Asian mythology. Um, so the setting is very informed by that. There is some magic, and Lei and Ren are portrayed as queer women of color, which you love to see. So... I love them. I'm very fond. I'm really excited that we got to talk about this fic, uh, which is kind of a... How do you... I've, I've lost track of how to describe canon fics for non-RPF. <laughs> missing scenes. Missing scenes. That's what you call this. I know. <laughs> it's bad. Missing scenes. Um, so this is canon compliant, and it takes place within the book. Um a little bit past the halfway point where they're like starting to get together um and you know fall in love and all that stuff lay is learning about ren's past um before they kill the king but you know after they've been introduced to each other so um it picks up a lot of these scenes have been referenced in the book so they are really very canon uh the author just chose to expand upon them within this context Woo! so that's that i was really excited there's only five fix for this book like period <laughs> So I was really glad to see that, like, hey, there's fic, and also that this one was, like, so good. Um, so yeah, that's it for me, I think. What did y'all think about it? Yes, I felt incredibly tender and gay while reading this. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I had not really even heard of these books, I don't think, before Nick brought this fic. I certainly haven't read the book that's out of the series, so um, I came into this with very little context. Um, and to be honest, I don't think I needed a whole lot more than like what Nick told me ahead of me reading it or like basically what they just shared on the pod. Um, I think that informs the situation that you're sort of meeting these characters in. But most of this fic is about them sort of getting to know each other and falling in love. I think it's just like a really lovely picture of these characters. Um, yeah, like I, I did not know them beforehand. Um, but I think this author did a great job of getting their like their personalities across in a pretty short amount of space. Like this is not a particularly long fic, um, and I think you get to know them quite well. Um, it is also first person POV, so I think that really works here as well. Um, and I I think sort of I don't want to say like despite that, but like 
along with that, you I think you get a great look at um, not only Lei, who's like the first person POV narrator of this fic, but also of Ren, her love interest, um, through like the conversations they're having and the dialogue. I think it's really well done in that regard, like how much you get to know about Ren just through what she says. I thought that was handled just like in a great way in this fic. It really gave me a good picture of both of them and I appreciated that. I think also like the general atmosphere of it, I really appreciated. Um, like, I don't know if the picture I have in my head is canon compliant because I don't know like what the setting was described as in the book or even like necessarily what Leia and Ren look like. So I just sort of have my own pictures of them based on this fic. But I think like what was conjured up in my head felt very comfortable, if that makes sense, like to the world. I wasn't left with like questions or like I didn't get caught up in any of that like oh I don't know canon so like what is what is this kind of feeling um I think it all just worked really well even for like an outside reader yeah um after we just had an intro in which Brenna was like we are not all the same person um I'm here to say wow I had basically all the same thoughts and feelings (laughs) as Brenna (laughs) Um, well sometimes we're the same that's true um, if you're in our Discord, you maybe heard Unsettling. a blooper in which Brent and I speak in haunting unison. <laughs> um, it's, it's incredibly cursed. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> no, but I think in this case, I came in with a very similar experience to Brenna in that um, I had not heard of this series at all before Nick mentioned it. Like, the only context I had was a little bit of what we heard before reading. Um, and yet, like, I found this so, so easy to read. Um, like, similarly, I just... I felt like from the very beginning, their personalities were so strong. And even though it is a first person POV, like I felt both of them coming through really clearly. Um, There have been times when I have read a fic where I know absolutely nothing of canon. And I feel like I got like a really good sense of canon through the fic. Or like, I'll ask like whichever one of you brought it, I'll be like, hey, like how much does this match up with canon? Because it like feels like it would be very true, etc, etc. And this fic was interesting because... It felt like canon was sort of on the edges of the fic. It felt present. Like, I felt really grounded in this fic. But at the same time, like, this was a fic about two girls, like, finding each other and finding love. And what is happening in canon, like, I don't want to say, like, doesn't really matter. But it is certainly not nearly as present as it has been for other fics in which I had no context for going in. Um, So that was just sort of an interesting experience for me where the fic felt so, like, full and vibrant and connected to its canon in that way. Um, Like, some of the descriptions were just, like, absolutely gorgeous. And, again, similar to what Bren said, like, I don't know whether my image is exactly correct, but it felt very clear. Um, But canon just, like, did not feel as, yeah, present in this fic. Um, But it didn't really matter because the two girls themselves were just so... I don't know, like present and and the focal point, and it was really nice, and like it didn't it didn't matter what was going on because they just love each other. Um, no, I just thought it was very sweet. I also thought it was really interesting that this was a first person POV. I don't read a lot of fix like that at all. Um, Brenna's pick for this week actually is also first person POV. But <laughs> we is... didn't realize we had done this. <laughs> we have different brains. I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. It's executed so differently in these two fics, and something that I really liked about this fic in particular is I thought the writing was exceptional. I think there were some lines that just felt, like, stronger because they were first-person POV. Um, Like, in specific, I wrote down this one line that just absolutely killed me, um, where Lei is talking about um, feeling, like, desire, and uh, she goes, Never did I think I could want so much. 
and I do. I want. Like Yes, she okay, does. Wow. First of all, <laughs> just like this fic is so the romance it makes me so tender. Like, but I think I think those lines would be really powerful if they were written in third person POV, but I just think getting it directly from Lay, yeah. like getting that first person just like um gave it more impact. Um so I don't know, that was fun. Like I I was surprised when I opened the fic and found that it was first person and then it was so easy to sink into and to sink into this world. So I really liked it. Yay. <laughs> you both mentioned not having heard of the book, um, but you might have heard of um, Rick Riordan, who did the Percy Jackson series. Did I say his name wrong? No, I think that's right. Okay, great. Sorry, I thought you made a face at me and I was going to be so ashamed, but it's fine. No, I was like laughing. Like, you may have heard of Rick Riordan. Like, yes, Nicole, I am a Greek mythology gay. What more do you want from me? Well, you know how he has his imprint, um, where he essentially invited authors to like write about their own mythologies mm-hmm. of like different cultures that not just Greek. This book is one of those. Oh, okay. So it's her debut novel. Um, and it's good. Yeah. Um, but part of the reason why it's under that imprint is because there is some mythology mm. and a lot of it does, um, it plays a big part in the book, less so in the fic, but it does draw from her own kind of heritage. So that was really cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, as with many things in fandom and fic, I think that first person POV gets a bad rap. <laughs> it's like, I feel like it's kind of unfairly derided because like, okay, sometimes it's entirely possible to read a first person fic that you're not into. I will fully acknowledge that. I have written very bad first person <laughs> POV fics when I was like 14. Listen, we've all done it. It's okay. <laughs> don't, don't shake your head at me. Brad. I haven't done it. I also have Wow. I'm blocking both of you. Hey, everyone, it's just me now talking to you. (laughs) Well, some of us have done it. Ficklets, I'm sure some of you have done it. And if not, don't tell me. Just pretend you have and I'll feel better. I'm not along this time. Okay, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But I think especially as someone who like grew up reading so much YA, like so voraciously, so many young adult books are in first person. Um, So I think that influences a lot of people's writing style um and like this book was in first person so i think it makes a ton of sense that when you're going through and like emulating it in a fic you're gonna write from that first person perspective of lay that we get and i think for me it actually might have been stranger to shift over into third person for these characters and to try and like get myself reoriented but i think like i read one other really really incredible um first person fic in hockey fandom actually it was an animorphs au (laughs) it was really good though it was really good (laughs) expecting that <laughs> hey some of us read adventurously okay it's not my fault other people are cowards it was really good um but no i was just thinking about how like i feel like at a certain point when you're writing something or creating a fan work that like goes against fake rules in like one way it allows a lot of kind of freedom to sort of do what you want like this this first person animorphs fic did whatever the hell it wanted and it was great um this fic was able to do a lot with the first person pov and like it did get to sort of sit really really carefully in the parts of canon where the characters get to take a breath and where they don't have to constantly be anxious and scared and frustrated and angry about their lot in life and i really loved that and i think we'll talk about that a bit with brennis too of like what breaking away from sort of fic norms allows you to do Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of it happening in there but (laughs) yeah I just really appreciated it because I think like 
it's so easy as a new writer to get discouraged because I feel like you can enter fandom and like do something and then maybe at some point you'll see a post that's like what not to do of like no Uh, first person mm -hmm. like no this no that like you can't do this like people don't like it if you do that like oh I don't know it just makes me sad (laughs) well I feel like I used to see like writing tips on tumblr or whatever that are like don't make a Mary Sue, like, don't whatever. And yeah. at least, like, something that has been enjoyable for me is that maybe this is a product of, like, who I am following or people <laughs> growing up as I am also growing up. But I feel like I read and internalized a lot of those posts when I was in my teens. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I saw people being like, fuck you, I'm gonna do whatever I want. I'm gonna do whatever makes me happy. Like, if I want to write the most, like, Mary Sue of all Mary Sues, I'm going to. Which, like, whatever, I have bones to pick with that phrase anyway. But you know what I mean? Like, I saw those posts <laughs> yes. that said things like that. And then I, I saw people fall into the like, oh, I can only write certain things to have it be good. And then uh, joyously, I saw people be like, actually, I'm going to write whatever makes me happy. That was yeah. nice to see. Well, the secret, I think, is that there's not actually rules to make a good fic. Yes. That's wow. my top secret info for our <laughs> Hey, hey, they won't, they won't tell you this out there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes those posts too could read almost more like how how to make your fic popular than like how to make your fic good (laughs) and i mean we are not like the great arbiters of like what makes good fan fiction here obviously like we've said that before but okay nick is saying that they are so maybe i'm wrong but (laughs) i am a little bit i mean you know i have my own opinions about what i think is good or not (laughs) but like I think I think the great thing is like I love when those opinions are challenged or broken as well. Like I would probably say like, hey, I'm not the biggest fan of first person POV fic because to be fair, I have read a number that were not good. I have also read a number of first person published works that were also not good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's not yeah, really it's just not about just fic. a fic thing. <laughs> um, but then this week we have two that I thought were great and benefited hugely from being first person. So I think it's more like, yeah, there are certain things that you can ascribe to if you maybe want to sort of try and make your fic a hit on AO3 because people look for certain things within fan fiction, but the best part about fan fiction is you can do whatever the fuck you want, and it often ends up being great because you took a chance and you did something you felt more passionate about, and that pays off every time, I think. I do also want to say, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, seeking validation for the fic that you post. Like, I fully (laughs) understand and sympathize with- If your fic has more than a hundred kudos, Brenna thinks you're a sellout. (laughs) Wow, I think I might I'm sell out myself then. <laughs> but I'm definitely oh. also like, in my own writing, I'm like, okay, are people going to like this? Like, you're always oh, yeah, thinking yeah. that. I think it's impossible not to. But I mean, I definitely agree also, like, it, the experience is so much more enjoyable when you're doing things, like, for your own love of it. Um, and, like, maybe, like, for the own, my own love of it and also a little bit, like, will my friends like this at least? And also, like, um, will I get at least one comment on AO3 because otherwise yeah. I'll be sad. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe one comment who isn't like my friend who also baited it who I like am right. forcing to read this. Before we started recording, I explicitly told Brenna and Reed to go leave <laughs> kudos on one of the works I just posted because I was sad it didn't have more. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean like I think it is real to want to follow those tips and like also to emulate yeah. other things you've seen because like you're not getting paid for fan fiction. You're only getting sort of quote unquote paid because people might like it and tell you they think it's good and then you feel happy in your heart. <laughs> so like of course you want that. <laughs> also like I think there's a lot of value too in reading something that you really like and then wanting to emulate some mm-hmm. of it. Like I know well, I was gonna say I'm working on a fic. There was a fic that I was working on. Maybe <laughs> I'll come back to it someday and maybe I won't. Oh. But when I was in the midst of it, like I was like really struggling with some specific aspects of it and I 
as I was just like reading fic in my regular life, like not for the plot or anything, I started to pay more attention to scenes that were similar-ish to what I wanted to write. Obviously, like not wanting to copy them, but I was like, okay, like what is working well here? And how can I maybe try to like bring this into my own writing? Like that is a fun thing. Sorry, we got so off the topic of your Super fake off track. That's okay. No, I love that. I love this okay, discussion. Can though. I make one more point? <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I was just gonna say like, I mean, that's sort of what grounds fan fiction anyway. Like the, like the whole point is that we're looking at either like other pieces of media or like people or something and there's something about it that we like and want to emulate and then we write fan fiction. <laughs> So I think it makes sense in like a meta way that like we also as as writers or like as a fandom community sort of like emulate each other a lot because I think that's sort of like what fic is to begin with and it is very sort of like self-referential. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it too does hinge on sort of this economy of validation and it varies from fandom to fandom and like... To talk to bring it back to this fic specifically, this fic, after I left kudos, has 18 kudos on AO3. <laughs> and I love it. Like, I'm so excited to, I, I wanted to leave a comment and then I wanted to talk about it with you guys first in case there was like something you said that I wanted to steal from my comment. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it now has 21, so. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. That's exciting. Well, two of um, those were me and Reed. I don't know what the other oh. ones are. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Last I checked, it had 18 kudos. But, like, I think it's so cool, too, that, like, even if you write something that isn't going to have, like, massively broad appeal because it's a huge fandom or, like, it's this, like, the the latest, like, trendy trope or pairing or whatever, like, it can still bring people so much specific joy. Like, I had such a good time reading it and I was so excited to, like, bring it here and, like, share it with other people. So I think there's the balance, too, of, like, I don't know. What is the balance? Loving things and loving them. (laughs) It's both sides of the balance are loving things. I think we have all brought fics to this pod that have not a ton of kudos, like relatively or whatever, that are more niche, but we have all really, really loved and then had a very fun discussion with. And like, totally. I don't know. I think I get what you're saying that like, it is, it's really fun sometimes to discover a fic that is, I don't know, lesser known or again, just like does not have as much traffic, maybe even as like, as much traffic as the author's other fix. And it's sure. nice to be like, here's another thing that I really, really liked. Like, I know you, you wrote this thing, maybe not expecting a lot of exposure, but like, I appreciated it. Thank you for writing it. Yeah. And I mean, like, the writing in this fic is really freaking good, it is too. So good. <laughs> like, I, my notes for this fic were mostly just me pulling quotes because I kept finding lines that like really struck me. Um, and, and sort of in our talking about like, Ooh, things that are overused by fanfic writers and like what you shouldn't do and stuff (laughs) made me think of this one line in this fic that I loved and part of the reason I loved it was it because it uses a phrase that I think sometimes can be a little bit overused both in fic and in published writing um but here it hits so well and it was sort of like an example of then why it gets overused because it can be so good and there's this line um uh, most of the way through the fic I don't remember exactly when from Lay's point of view, and it says, and I think fiercely that it does not matter that I could not be her friend in that distant, impossible other life. Just having her here like this, here, with me, is more than enough. Um, and, like, the part that stuck out to me is the, like, and I think fiercely. Like, I feel like point of view characters are constantly thinking fiercely. <laughs> and for most of the time, it doesn't really, like, mean much to me. Like, like it, I just sort of, my eyes glance over it because it's a pretty widely used phrase. But here I was like, wow, it like actually hit me because I think also from the first point person point of view, like Reed was saying, like that lends more power to it. And 
in this scene, it felt so strong. Like, I could feel, like, the, the passion with which Lei was thinking it at herself. Like, there was this force with which she was thinking it to make it true. And it, it, it like, really made that phrase. Like, I was like, okay, right, right, right. This is why people use this phrase, because sometimes it hits so well. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, like, yeah, that, that was just an example that stuck out to me of, like, uh, just the really good writing in this fic. Well, hey, good discussion, y'all. Um, this has been Make Me Feel Like I'm Set on Fire by O. Coventry. Um, it is a really lovely set of missing scenes from a book that I love very dearly. So if you are into tenderness, being gay, um, and women, this is the fix <laughs> for you. <laughs> So my fic for this episode is The Naming of Foxes by Tylan. It is a Pacific Rim fic, and it is Raleigh Beckett Mako Mori. Um, in my personal opinion, this is one of the best films ever, end sentence. But <laughs> I'm aware that not everyone has seen this movie, and also maybe you're like Nick and you just don't watch movies ever. I've um, seen it. You have now seen it, which is very exciting. Um, but... In case you are not familiar with the film, um, I'm going to give you some context. So, okay, G get ready, Ficklets. It's it's time for Pacific Rim. Wow, I really love this movie so much. Um, so Pacific Rim is a sci-fi film that is directed by Guillermo del Toro. Um, it came out in 2013. The concept is that um, an interdimensional rift, which... Uh, is known as The Breach, opens up in the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, and it connects Earth and an alien world. And giant monsters, uh, which become known as the Kaiju, start emerging from the Breach and attacking cities all across the Pan-Pacific. Um, in order to combat the Kaiju, scientists across the world band together, and they create the Pan-Pacific Defense Corps, the PPDC. Um, and through that, they create the Jaeger program. Jaegers are giant humanoid robot mechs! Um... They have really wild designs and really fun weapons. One of them has a giant sword. Um, I, if you can just, like, hear the, like, unbridled glee in my voice, like, this is just a movie about giant robots and monsters, and I think that makes it good. Um, <laughs> Jaegers are piloted by, typically by two people, um, and the way that the pilots are able to control the Jaegers is through a technology that's invented um, that's known as the Drift. So the drift uses a neural link between its pilots um, that essentially causes them to mind meld. Um, they're able to see each other's memories and thoughts and emotions. And when they're in the Jaeger, it causes the Jaeger's movements to mimic as if like it's their own. Um, there's like a synchronicity and a bond, like not just between the pilots, but between them and their Jaeger as well. Um, so that's like, the background context, I guess, that you get, like, in the intro summary to the film. Now let me get into the movie itself a little bit. Um, so one of our main characters in the movie and in this fic is Raleigh Beckett. He originally became a Jaeger pilot with his brother Yancey. Um, but during a mission that takes place, like, five years prior to the film, uh, Yancey was killed in the middle of combat. Um, Raleigh was still connected to him through the drift when Yancey died. Um, he kills the kaiju that they were fighting, and uh, Raleigh pilots the Jaeger alone to the shores of Anchorage, um, collapses there, and then basically is like, I want absolutely nothing to do with Jaegers whatsoever, which I think is fair. 
Um, so he kind of disappears for a little while. And then at the start of the film, um, the marshal of the uh, Pan Pacific Defense Corps, so Marshal Stacker Pentecost, uh, finds Raleigh and basically is like, I need you to come back for this last ditch effort to end like the Kaiju War. Um, the other main character of the movie and also this fic is Stacker's adopted daughter, Mako Mori. Um, I looked this up. According to the comics, she's like 13 when her parents are killed in a kaiju attack and like subsequently when she gets adopted. But in the movie, she looks like much, much younger. That's not the 13 year old. Um, <laughs> That's like a seven year old. Yeah. Um, but the the point basically is that her, her parents pass away in a kaiju attack and shortly after that, Stacker ends up adopting her. Um, we love Mako. She is so smart and badass and I simply love her so much. And all she wants so desperately is to be a Jaeger pilot. And Stacker Pentecost is basically like, no. Um, but then surprise, she and Raleigh are drift compatible and they're the only ones who can come together and pilot a Jaeger together and save the day. Um, the other like key thing that happens is that in the final battle of the movie, in order to give Raleigh and Mako enough time to close the breach and end the war, uh, Stacker ends up sacrificing himself. Um, there are some other characters from the movie and also from like the larger like comics and canon that do show up in this fic. I don't think any of them are like super super important to know, but just to mention them, like Herc Hansen is uh, a Jaeger pilot who is pretty prominent in the movie and he takes over for Stacker Pentecost um, as the marshal. Um, there are some scientists who get mentioned and then in the fic like their wives and like other associates. Um, yeah and then there's some other references that I may or may not bring up in the discussion but mostly who you need to know are Raleigh and Mako and then their relationships to Stacker and Yancey. Um, some content warnings um, for this fic. So as, as mentioned in my summary there is like canonical character death um and then sort of um our main characters dealing with the aftermath of that of just like general war related trauma um specifically on Raleigh's side there is um PTSD related to the fact that he was mentally connected to his brother when Yancey died um the fic does not get like too graphic or like detailed about it but it is like a very very present theme like this fic takes place immediately after the end of the movie um and so you're getting a lot of their emotions as they're sorting through all of that um so those are just some things to be aware of going into this discussion and into this fic if you choose to read it um yeah so i mean like i said this fic takes place like right after canon um you get one chapter from raleigh's pov and then you get one chapter from mako's pov um I have been wanting to bring a Pacific Rim fic for so long. I think actually it's uh, funny that this is, or interesting that this is the intro in which we were talking about how we choose fic, because um, I have looked for so long, and ficlets, if you have fic like this, please, please, please send it my way. <laughs> I have looked for Jen, Mako, and Raleigh fic, and just simply cannot find what I'm looking for. Um in the movie, they are very, very close, and I think it is incredibly easy to read their relationship as romantic, or at the very least, like, intimate. Like, they are literally sharing minds. Um, but at the end of the movie, they share a very tender moment where they, like, touch their foreheads together, and there's just this, like, relief that they've ended the war. Um, and there was a very deliberate choice by the director and by the writer to not have them kiss. Um, and while I think their romantic relationship is really good, I also was like, 
I really, really, really want genfic that just, like, explores their dynamic and, like, the after effects of the drift. I couldn't find it, but I did find this fic, and I was like, okay, actually, I really love this fic, too. Um, it was so hard for me to find a Pacific Rim fic, in part because, like, very understandably, fandom latched onto the idea of, like, drift compatibility, and there are simply so many fics that are, like, crossovers or, like, Pacific Rim AUs, and I was like, what if I actually just would like to read about the characters who are canon to this movie, please? Um, <laughs> but yeah, then I found this fic, and I found it by, like, changing the way that I normally search for fics, and I saw this, and I was like, hell yeah, this is exactly what I've been looking for, like, an exploration of their dynamics, like, an exploration of sort of, um, what being in the drift, like, might, what impact that might have on your life when you're not piloting a Jaeger. Um, I'll also get into it later, but this fic was written for JaegerCon, which, uh, absolutely delighted me to read that in the author's notes. Um, yeah, I really liked this fic. I really liked that it was from both of their point of views, and it hit a lot of the things that I was, like, hoping for in a Pacific Rim fic. Um, but... I, as ever, would like to hear what my co-hosts thought about it. I have seen Pacific Rim. I'm very excited about that fact. We watched it together. It was a good time. The kaiju had... One of them had a huge tongue, and I hated that. <laughs> but otherwise, I enjoyed the film. Main takeaways. I just... It, blah, yeah. You know? Blah. Yeah. But it was a good movie. <laughs> Despite its shortcomings. <laughs> I feel like <sighs> as long as I have known Reed, I have known that Reed loves Pacific Rim. Like, before we ever, like, hung out in person, I knew for sure <laughs> that Reed was a diehard Pacific Rim stan. I don't know if you have, like, a fandom name. I don't think so. Ah, uh, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I'm really glad I watched it so recently. Um, As you have already seen, I don't have great recall for <laughs> content that I consume. <laughs> So the fact that it was recent helped for sure. I had seen gift sets of like that last scene where they come out of the water and they're like, huh, huh, oh, we made it. And they're so happy and they put their foreheads together and it's just very sweet. Um, I, for some reason, when we were watching the film, expected that ending to come like halfway through. <laughs> and then I was like, oh God, there's so much more of this movie left. <laughs> Why is this the exact or a very similar mood to when... We read the fix for the last episode, and you were like, I forgot that Tony Stark becomes Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I have my own way of telling and consuming stories, and it doesn't always line up with what other people do. <laughs> and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and you're but... still valid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I agree. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. I love fic that picks up right after a fairly open ending right like the the big stuff has ended but like what about all the emotional stuff we still have to resolve what about like the little the little bits in canon that like we're sort of left open-ended what about all that we have to do that so I really liked that I thought it was very fandom-y um and I think one other thing that I really really enjoyed was just that it felt kind of dreamlike and I'll talk about that a bit more later maybe but like I liked how much the drift was central to this and how like as a reader we're not drifting with Mako and Raleigh <laughs> at least I wasn't so I really liked the way that the author kind of played with that um them being so inside of each other's heads you get it from their perspectives but you also get it a little bit in the way that they have conversations and the way that they interact with each other which I thought was a really really smart move yes Pacific Rim slaps it's very good <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I've liked this movie for a long time, too. I don't know if I'm, like, as big a stan as Reed, but it's really good. We rewatched it recently. It did give me more anxiety this time. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> um, I think that's just, like, uh, sort of the being in the middle of a pandemic thing more than anything else. Um gives me now anxiety about any other emergency situation and also situations where people are in close proximity and not wearing masks but <laughs> <laughs> like, there was a scene where they were all in a bunker yeah. and like a couple people were wearing masks because it's like set in like southeast hong asia kong. um hong kong. hong kong yes okay i couldn't remember exactly where the uh big shatter dome is um yes. but a couple people were wearing masks but everyone else wasn't and i was like oh god you should all be wearing masks. Anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> um, the point is that the movie really held up. Also, the OST for it is so iconic. Um, yeah. I hear wow. it and I just get so hyped. Yeah, seriously. Um, it's really good. I And like, I think it's also interesting to think about even more so now, like, Reed sort of mentioned there are a lot of things in Pacific Rim that get taken and made into, like, AUs and things like that, like, tropes that then get put into other pairings, other fix. Um, and, like, looking back at the movie, I'm like, wow, this has really mm-hmm. influenced, like, a lot of fandom. <laughs> because even the things that are not just, like, directly Pacific Rim AUs, I think, like, the general concept of, like, the drift, drift compatibility, all of that, like, really also influenced a lot of, like, the different ways we've seen, like, soulmate tropes develop, dream sharing develop. Like, these things didn't necessarily not exist before Pacific Rim. Like, they did. But I think these concepts have sort of melded together and, like, influenced the direction a lot of other tropes go. Um, Anyway, I just think that's really interesting. But to talk about, like, this fic in particular and not just how great I think the concept of drift (laughs) compatibility is. um, We could just talk about that simply forever. (laughs) No, it's very good. Um, but yeah, I it was kind of fun to come back into like the canon of it, I guess, because it's been a while since I like engaged with the media directly and like a really long time since I read fic for it. I know I read some right after the movie came out, but like not since then. Um, and I really appreciate that this was like a Mako Raleigh fic as well. Like, I think I would have also enjoyed it if it was Jen. I understand Reed's search for Jen Mako Raleigh fic. It is a noble pursuit. Search for Jen is rough. But I also get why authors make it romantic because I think like in the movie, like I appreciate the writer and director's decision to not make it overtly romantic. But that being said, it is very intimate. Like this idea of being in someone else's mind, like being sort of exposed to their thoughts and themselves in that way, like having to control the Jaegers together in this very intimate physical, like, respect. Like, it's impossible for that not to become a sort of different relationship, I think. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic one, but I think it is close. Um, like, a close relationship, that is. Um, so, like, I really enjoyed reading this fic. I think I also would have enjoyed reading a Gen one. But more than anything, I just enjoyed reading about sort of uh, the aftermath of Mako and Raleigh trying to cope with, like, what they'd been through because they also did not get a lot of time to train together to pilot the Jaeger. Um, like they had like a couple weeks, I think like at the beginning of the movie and then the breach comes early. So it's like, I don't know, but they did not have a lot of time to train <laughs> like, and to sort of get themselves prepared for the situation. Like 
Most of the other pilots have a really close relationship. A lot of them are family members, um, either siblings. There's one set who's a dad and a son. Um, there's one other set who's like a married couple, but like Mako and Raleigh don't really know each other very well. So I think it makes sense for there to be a lot of fallout after they were not only in each other's heads, but also like had this like very traumatizing experience of having to try and close the breach. Um, so I just really liked that we got to explore that with them. Um, they sort of share dreams in this, which, as we all know, I love dream sharing. So I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, but they kind of talk about it, about it as this, like, drift hangover, almost. Like, these this remainder of, of the drift that isn't quite the drift, but there's some effects that are similar, almost. Um, I thought that was a really interesting concept. Um, and yeah, overall, I just liked... And I liked that we got it from both of their point of view I thought it was just fun to see these characters again and like sort of see the what happens to them after we we leave them in that ocean because <laughs> there's not a lot of resolution in that movie it's sort of like we did the thing end <laughs> there is so much that I loved about this fic but before we get too far into our discussion I did just want to bring up um two things that um didn't jive with me as much with this fic um one thing is that we start in Raleigh's POV and he very much is interested in Mako like as a friend, but also he wants something more like there's an attraction there that is not just the drift for him. Um, and we get from him that like Mako is not interested in the same way, at least not at first. Um, in the second chapter in her POV, we see her sort of sorting through what's the drift and what's her own feelings and like coming to decide that she is interested in Raleigh. But um I did, like, quite honestly, by the end of his POV, I was a little bit like, Raleigh, stop being so pushy about the fact that you're into Mako. Um, there was, in my opinion, a little bit of an edge of, like, she's not into me like that now, but mm. if I wait long enough, she could be. Um, and, like, I think it very much was couched in the sort of, like, it's very hard to uh, untangle, like, what is the drift and, like, what are these imprints of, like, past relationships they've been in. Like, there's a lot going on there. But um, in my reading, I personally got a take that I sort of was a little bit like, okay, I feel like Raleigh's being a little pushy, um, but getting Mako's POV like really helped sort of like clarify things for me. Um, but that is like something that stood out to me and I just felt like it was worth mentioning. The other thing that I wanted to mention was that, um, especially in Mako's POV, there are some words that are not in English and all of them are italicized. Um, and... Much like we've said in a previous discussion, like, this is something I've seen in published fiction, too. Like, this is in no way, like, a specific dig at, like, this author or fix. But I do think that doing that reiterates the idea of, like, authoring. Um, like, we're in Mako's POV. There is no reason why these words would, like, stand out or be different to her. And yeah, again, like, this is not, like, a specific attack at this author or anything. It's it's something that I've seen, like, across fandom and, again, like, across, like, published literature. But, um, yeah, if... If we're in Mako's POV, like, there's no reason those words would, like, stand out as different to her. I don't see a reason that they, like, should be italicized. And again, I just think it kind of contributes to that, to a culture of othering. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. Yeah, as someone who's bilingual, I recently saw Daniel Jose Older put out a very, very funny video about, like, italicizing Spanish. Um, and I would recommend checking it out. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, very humorous take on it. But I think that... 
especially if you're writing about a bilingual character with like a language that you don't speak. Uh, a lot of assumptions go into like what what it means to use other words in different languages and like how to go into that and all that stuff. It varies from person to person, but yeah, I do I do think there is like the the tradition of italicizing words in other languages in publishing is strong and long, but I think it's always worth it to question where that comes from and why people do it in the first place. Okay. Ficklets, I'm back again with some uh, niche fandom slash internet lore, um, but that's what you're all here for, I think. Um, JaegerCon is one of those things to me that is like, wow, I simply love what fandom can do sometimes. Um, so Pacific Rim was released on July 12th, uh, 2013, and I would argue like almost immediately became like a hit, at least within fandom, like as we said, there are a lot of things that cater to, like, the fandom experience and things that people love to write about in fanfiction. And so it sort of blew up, especially at least for me, like, with people I was following on Tumblr. Like, suddenly everything I was seeing was about Pacific Rim. Um, and a couple very dedicated and passionate fans decided to create a thing called JaegerCon. Um, so in the movie, like, the first kaiju comes out of the breach on August 10th. And so this was a virtual convention that was held over August 9th, 10th, and 11th. Um, in 2013, so, like, just about a month after the movie came out, um, which was basically just encouraging fans to come together. Like, there were bingo cards for fic writers, and there were, um, a ton of, like, raffles and giveaways. Like, I did a giveaway. Um, I gave away, like, a Pacific Rim t-shirt and, like, a little decal. Um, it just was a place for people to, like, come celebrate. Like, there were watch parties that were held, um, across, like, multiple countries, um, I discovered it because it was organized in part by a good friend of mine at the time and some of um, her friends. Um, and it was just this thing where, like, all of these people really loved this movie. And so they were, like, seeing as many times as they could and, like, digging into the canon, like, finding the comics. Um, and one of the most exciting things for me was that um, the organizers reached out to a lot of people working on the films and got um, interviews via email including um, not only, like, members of the cast, but Travis Beecham, the writer, and then Guillermo del Toro himself, um, which I just think is so cool. Um, he, according to my friends, uh, he was, like, really excited. Like, he was really touched by how strong of a reaction there was to the movie. And when he, like, found out this project was going on, um, he was really, like, yeah, like, really touched by it. And so he did also one of these, like, email interviews if you have any interest whatsoever in, like, looking into any of this, um, everything is still up on jaegercon.tumblr.com, uh, which is j-a-e-g-e-r-con.tumblr.com. Um, and you can click on a little thing that says special guests and read interviews by a ton of people who worked on the movie. Um, I was going through some of it after reading the fic, and there was just so many interesting things in there. Um, so, like, that was really cool, and also, like I said, it was just very fun to watch fans come together and create a variety of fan works and a sense of really strong community around this movie. I think maybe that's one of the reasons why it's stayed in my heart for so long, is not just because I love it as a film, but I love the experience that I had when it came out and how much of an impact that has, like, continued to have on me. A thing that I think often actually kind of bothers me in fic that I really liked here is when it seems like characters can kind of read each other's minds and they have these like weirdly sparse philosophical conversations of like, oh, like, I think this thing. And the other character is like, ooh, 
but do you think this? And everyone's like, where did you make that jump? Also incredible how everything that you said was immediately accurate to their internal world. How did you get in there? Um, but thankfully, <laughs> in Pacific Rim, you can just get right on into someone's inner world. So I thought that it was actually really clever that we got some of those sparser, more, um, like making more jumps through conversation um, in this fic between characters who are drift compatible and who have drifted together because it just made logical sense to me. And I thought that when I wasn't 100% sure like what they were saying to each other or what was real and what they were dreaming or what was their own and what belonged to the other person, that in and of itself as like a, a narrative device actually worked super well because I think it reflected a lot of what I liked about the premise within the actual structure of the fic. Um, yeah, one thing that in my brain, it kind of goes along with what Nick was saying, but it's kind of different. And I think Reed can probably speak to it better than I can. Um, is <laughs> this fic has a lot of like sort of extra canon bits and like fanon bits and stuff like that brought into it. Like you can tell that there's stuff in here that like you probably wouldn't recognize as just like a casual viewer of the movie. But I think to someone who is much deeper in the fandom, it would like make a lot of sense and you'd be getting sort of these little like easter egg moments from it and stuff like of sort of some side characters who show up and like things that happen um and i i think that in some ways also makes it feel or like to me as a reader like and a reader who doesn't know the fandom or like the sort of extended canon or fanon very well at all like that sort of gives fix sort of a dreamlike quality sometimes too, because you're sort of just floating through scenes like unmoored, <laughs> just like, oh, here I am through this one and here I am through that one. <laughs> and I kind of liked it here because I think it sort of gave that like, it gave a feeling of what Raleigh and Mako are probably struggling with post-canon of feeling kind of like without mooring, without guidance, like without stability. Because um, I think like they're left with a lot of shit to deal with both trauma wise and also just like where are their lives now like they they did the thing that they were meant to do where do you go from that and so i kind of like that this fic had a bit of that like these are very like real world little scenes or like very realistic dreams and things like that but it does have this sense of sort of just like moving moving through space like fluidly i think um which i i appreciate in this i think it sort of added to the atmosphere of uh like what what they're trying to work out between them. Yeah, I mean, Bren, to your point, there's a character in this fic who could easily read as an OC, but it's at one point, like, Raleigh is talking to um, one of the first Jaeger pilots um, who basically is, like, telling Raleigh, like, oh, I see, like, with you and Mako, I see something that, like, I similarly went through, like, with someone who I, like, drifted with and was not, like, romantically interested in me at first, and then we got there. That all is, like, true. It's, like, more from, I think, like, a comic book or like an extended book um it's like not in the movie at all but that is like a real character in like the pacific rim canon um and so i thought that um yeah like you said like i don't think you have to know who it is to appreciate the fic and i think it gives it maybe a different quality if you don't but it, it is like always fun to me when um fandom authors drop like little nuggets of the extended universe in a fic um ficlets as you may or may not be able to tell i could simply talk about this for so many hours um i have so much that i love about this fic that i didn't even have time to get into but i think the fic like does a great job of picking up right after the movie leaves off like it 
works within the canon really well and also expands on some of the things that I think fandom loves most. Um, I think this fic is really emblematic of like why Pacific Rim was such a hit within fandom, um, which kind of speaks to stuff that we were talking about earlier. I think it's a really interesting look at um, the impact that it has on your life when when you spend most of your life like focused on one thing and one goal. And now that it's done, like how do you reorient yourself? Um, I think it poses that question to both Mako and Raleigh and answers things a little bit differently for them and also a little bit the same, um, which is I think what this fic is about is finding out who they are as people apart from one another and apart from the drift and also finding the spaces where they come together. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. I really love this movie and I really love this fandom. I think if you have any interest whatsoever in anything that's being said, this fic is definitely worth taking a look at. Um, also, if you've never seen Pacific Rim, please watch it. That's my pitch to you. Thank you. Alright, so my fic this week is Incomplete by Astolat. It is a girl, a mirror fic for the Witcher video game series. Specifically, Witcher 3, which is the most recent one. Um, we have talked about this series and these characters on Fic Click before. Um, so maybe you've heard that. Amazing. If you haven't, I'll try and give you a little bit of context, even though I don't have a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I will say personally, um, I have read a bunch of fan fiction, and that's my knowledge of this game. I played the first two hours of it. I didn't do very well because I'm not good with weapons. Um, I watched the TV show, but the TV show has no bearing on this piece of fan fiction. Great. <laughs> um, all right. But if you need some sort of guidance through this conversation, uh, Geralt is a witcher. Um, so he's a person who went through like a bunch of sort of trials as a kid that gave him uh, special powers, basically. He can do a little magic. Uh, he sort of has heightened senses and he's really good at fighting. Um, <laughs> so his whole thing is that he's out on the, the path, they call it, fighting monsters, basically. That's his day job. Um, he's our protagonist of the games and also of the original novels and also of the TV show. Emir is the Emperor of Nilfgaard. He's in Witcher 3, um, and again, that's what this fic is based on. If you just watch the TV show, you won't know who he is, and that's okay. So they are the main pairing of this fic, but this fic both is a lot about them and isn't about them at, at both times, which is what makes it really interesting. Um, it's actually an outsider POV, and it's from a first-person POV of a character named Dandelion. Um, he is a bard who is Geralt's friend, um, and who also is just very, <laughs> he's very likable. He has a totally different personality than Geralt. Like he's, his whole thing is not being out there and like fighting monsters and like trekking through muck for days on end and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think he'd much rather be in like a city with his nice clean clothes and his fancy hat singing songs. <laughs> you know when you um, see the like OC memes that's like the grumpy one and the sunshine one? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's them. That's, that's exactly them. Oh my god. Um, if you've watched the TV show, um, Dandelion is sort of the same character as Yaskier. Um, they're both based on the same character from, from the book series, but honestly, they're, they're two different interpretations. Um, so if you're reading this and you're like, wow, I thought Dandelion and Yaskier were the same person, but this doesn't sound like Yaskier. 
that's because it's not it's dandelion okay great <laughs> just wanted to get that out of the way because i think there are probably people who are listening to this podcast who have seen the show and not played the game and i think that might be a little bit confusing to go into this discussion or this fic with so because this is set in the world of the video games there are a couple content warnings for this fic um they're basically violence and some sort of gory monsters it's all like kind of canon with what to expect in the video game but in case you haven't played those or don't really know what they entail uh there is definitely some violence mostly in the form of girl hunting monsters and some of those monsters are pretty yucky um yeah so like i mentioned before i i read all these fics like before i experienced canon at all and i think one of the things i really love about this fic and actually about all of astolat's witcher fics is i think they're super accessible without knowing the canon um and then once you get a bit of the canon you realize just how much of it she pulled in really well um i think the world building feels so full in these fics you get really immersed in it um but it's also easy to follow what's going on without needing to know a whole lot about the game series or anything like that um so i've wanted to bring one of these for a while it was hard for me to choose like which one she has a whole sort of collection of them and they're all really good but i thought this one had some points in it that were just different than a lot of the other fics we've talked about the outsider pov the first person um the sort of dynamic between almost like the fic and the relationship it's talking about is a little bit different um because like i said it's not from Geralt or Amir's point of view you don't know any of their thoughts or their feelings about one another other than what happens that dandelion witnesses um so at the beginning of this fic dandelion and Geralt are brought before Amir for a variety of reasons, but um, they're basically tasked with a job, and the job is to go find out which bard started this song that's become really popular that is not super nice about Amir. Um, that's where it starts. They basically go take that quest, then they get assigned another quest, um, and then at the very end, <coughs> spoilers if you want to read this fic. Okay, beep, great. Beep, beep, beep. Yep, thank you. Beep, 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 beep. Um, Geralt and Amir, like, make a blood oath to each other at the end. Hell <laughs> and I feel yeah. so feral about that scene. Um, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, I really want to talk about the outsider POV from Dandelion, about what this fic is sort of doing, um, about what it's like to get to see the relationship from the outside and never get uh, Geralt or Amir's point of view. I think this fic does an amazing job of making it both not at all about the relationship and then also having the relationship inform everything that's happening um but yeah before i get it too far into my own thoughts rita nick what did you guys think oh us oh you oh hey it's really good <laughs> oh my god i really enjoyed it i okay i i feel like i said this last time we did a witcher fic i don't really know what's happening y'all i'm just along for the ride i'm having a good time i have like heard reed talk about the game a bit i've heard bren discuss some mastelat fic in my days but, like, I know what Geralt looks like from when Matthew, Matthew Mercer dressed as him for Halloween on Critical Role a few years ago. That's it. <laughs> so I mean, Matt's cosplay was very good. So. Yeah, I, I believe it. <laughs> so, you know, going into this, I was like, I'm just here to have a good time. And boy, did I. I love an outsider POV. I said earlier, I love when people push at the edges of, like, what fake can do and be. And this fix certainly does. The style of writing felt so much like a, a high-spirited, old-timey bard. Like, it was so pitch-perfect. The humor in it was really, like, fun. I felt like I was 
very like in on it the entire time, which I appreciated. I loved the world building that we saw and like the plot progression. Wow. I just, I have so many things to say about this fic, but mostly just that I thought it was very good and very interesting and unlike other things that I have read recently. So I'm very excited that you brought it for us to chat about, Bren. Yeah, wow. I lost my whole mind reading this fic. Um, <laughs> I've read a decent number of Aslot's Witcher fics, but this is actually one that I had not read yet. Um, and I brought a Witcher fic to the pod a couple episodes back, but it has now been like a number of months since I have like played the game or read any fic or like interacted with Witcher at all. And it was so easy for me to slide back into my like absolute feral feelings. Where, like, I, too, was just, like, screaming by the end of this fic. Ren already said this, but, like, truly, I think one of the things that I love and admire so much about Aslot's Witcher fics in particular is how immersed I feel in them and, like, how absolutely true to the game they feel. Um, the game and the world that it encompasses is vast and complicated and the decisions that you make have an incredible impact on the way that the story plays out. Um, and I just think that it is, like, such a difficult thing to capture and one that Aslot does so well and one that this fic does really well. There are so many, like, political intricacies and, like, Amir as a character is known for being so cunning and calculating and planning everything, like, a dozen steps ahead, which I think can be a very difficult character to write. Um, and even though this is, like, Dandelion's POV and Amir is, like, not in this fic a bunch, it, it is, like, a fic that, in which, like, he is not very present and yet shapes everything in it. Um, which also feels, like, very true to the game. I don't know, like, I I loved how reading this fic just pulled me back into the world so quickly and so completely, and part of that is just because of how, like, rich this fic is and, and how accurate it is to canon. It's funny because at first, when I was reading, I was like, okay, like, Dandelion's POV is fun, but, like, I just love Geralt so much that at first I was like, well, what if this was a Geralt POV? And then I was like, a couple scenes in and I was like, I am having simply the best time of my life being in Dandelion's perspective. Um, the humor was really good and weirdly reminded me of the fic The Marvels of Whitby, which is a fic about illuminated manuscripts that Bren bought. Uh, Brenna, your brand. Yeah. I know, there is a particular thing I find funny. <laughs> the brand. Like, it is really funny. It's like laugh out loud like multiple times, but also like in such an unexpected way. Also, just with this being an outsider POV, I thought Aslot did a really good job of justifying why Dandelion would be in some scenes. Like, if this was a fic from Geralt or Amir's point of view, there are several points in which it would make simply no sense for Dandelion to be there, or at the very least, it would, like, vastly change the tone of that scene and, like, the way that we as a reader would perceive it. Um, but instead, like, it is written into this fic in a way that makes complete sense why Dandelion would be there, and also why he would be feeling, like, absolutely bewildered as the fact that he is there. Um, I don't know, I just thought that was really well done, like, for it to be an outsider POV to the ship, and yet to still give us as readers, like, all of the pivotal moments. Um, I also, like, I'll get into this later, but there are just certain parts of this fic that, again, like, in their relation to canon and also my feelings about this game just had me completely screaming, like, ugh! I don't know, This the, the game has so much to say about perspective and morality and I think this fic did a really good job reflecting that. Yeah I think the dandelion POV is clever for so many reasons. I'd actually put reading this fic off for a little while because I wasn't sure I was gonna like it. It didn't seem as 
immediately appealing as like a Geralt POV fic, but I'm so glad I did because it's amazing. But um, yeah, like, like Reed was saying, I think the Dandelion POV and like his presence in these scenes is so, is justified so well. And I think part of the reason why it works is one, his sort of the tone of his whole narration to us and second his sort of feeling of why the hell am I here <laughs> um really kind of I think make ties the whole thing together um but his his narrative style is both incredibly humorous and sort of like self-serious in a funny way um like he is always sort of thinking of himself as this very like put together little man <laughs> um being dragged off on like these big adventures but he's like very He's self-important in, like, a very funny way, in a very charming way. Um, I think he's also both a, an unreliable narrator and a very reliable narrator. It's like his his direct narrations, if you took them to be fact, would be false. But because of the tone, you know that they are, they are false. And therefore, you can see through the fallacies, like, to the truth of the matter in a really well-done way. Um... And I think sort of along with that, like the way he thinks about Geralt or the way he thinks about other characters sort of ties all that together too. So he'll always be like, oh, Geralt, like so funny, like always making these jokes. But you know, the things that Geralt said are like not jokes. <laughs> yeah, he's not just like goofing around with his pal Dandelion. <laughs> like he's actually annoyed or like he's actually like just saying something insulting. But like, oh my God, Geralt, you're so funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like... There's a whole scene where Dandelion is basically sent by Amir to go find Geralt because Geralt has run off to, like, the outermost boundaries of, like, this entire world where, like, no one else goes. <laughs> and Dandelion is narrating to us this whole time the story of, like, the last time he was there and how terrible it was. And then it's not until Geralt shows up and he's like, oh, my best friend Geralt, that, he re that we realize that he's been, like, captured by, I don't know if they're, like, monsters or people, but they're, they've strung him up over a cauldron. <laughs> And it's just like those moments that I think work so well to make Dandelion so likable to really give you a sense of what the world looks like through his eyes. Um, it sort of shows us Geralt in a different way than like a Geralt or a mere POV fic would. And I think that it sort of like rounds out my like Witcher fic reading experience to sort of get this outside take on him um, that I think is like really wonderful. So the latter half of this fic uh, is basically that Amir is trying to build a road and he needs uh, Geralt and Dandelion's help because uh, they're trying to go through a bog that is controlled by uh, an evil crone who doesn't want there to be a road there. Um, so Geralt is like taking a night shift to make sure like nothing is going to attack people and Dandelion and his POV is like, ah, and like I kept my good friend Geralt company and I told him I would be brave and like sit with him and like he appreciated it so much. And then there was like a line that was like, he muttered something under his breath, but, like, out of charity to him, I chose not to hear it. And I was like, I was like, this is just the peak dandelion girl dynamic that I love. I think, Brendan, you were talking about how dandelion and Yaskier are such different people. Um, when the Netflix show came out, very understandably, a ton of the fics were Yaskier girl, because, again, like, the sunshine and the grumpy one, it's a dynamic that people, like, love to gravitate towards. But for me, I think because I had read Geralt uh, Amir as my first, like, fic, I was like, I am just looking for something so different. But I think if if the fics were more, like, I think if I went looking specifically for Geralt Dandelion, I think I would enjoy that way more because 
their dynamic has a little bit more bite to it than I think it does in the show in a way that I find so fun, in part because of Dandelion's, like, bullheaded is maybe not the right word, but his, like, absolute unflinching, like, I am great, and Geralt loves me, and we have (laughs) simply the best relationship, and, like, that is how he will portray things until his very last breath. Like, that is very funny and, like, a very fun thing to read. Totally. I, yeah, I absolutely loved the POV. I think that it had such an exciting and interesting impact on the way that the story was told and the story itself was great. Um, I, I think I described it earlier to you too as like a D&D campaign told from the perspective of the person who plays Dandelion <laughs> in character, of course. Um, and the DM who one of the NPCs is Amir is very in love with the PC who plays Geralt but the PC who plays Geralt has to go off on his own adventures sometimes because, you know, he uh, is very busy in real life. <laughs> and Listen, so, D&D scheduling, it's hard. It's exactly. Hard. Oh, it's no, it's true. <laughs> so then the DM is like, okay, fine. Like this NPC you met, Amir, will keep sending you off on quests. But then like this weird tension develops between them and they start to like get really flirty, but like intensely and it's everything gets super loaded and there's drama and there's yearning. Um, and this this fic felt like the culmination of that, where like the PC who played Girl comes back, and Dandelion's like, ah, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's all this stuff, but like the other PCs, like Dandelion, are not picking up on it. No, no. You get the sense that 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 player character and the DM have had like their own sessions separately, maybe. Where it's like just Geralt and Amir, <laughs> and there's like all this backstory now. That was the vibe that I got from this fic in like the best way possible. <laughs> no, I, mean, I think that's like such a charming way to describe it. And like, I think that's interesting too, because one thing I was thinking about as Reed was sort of talking about the differences between like Dandelion and Yaskier and the show and the game and the fic, um, like the show is pretty campy. <laughs> and so I think it makes a lot of sense for there to be a lot of these more lighthearted fics that are um, Yaskier, Geralt. The tone of the game is not that. Um, and the fic that comes out of it is also not that. Like it can be funny. Like this fic is genuinely funny, but the world it inhabits is big and real and heavy. And there are material consequences to everything, I think. Um, and like one of the things that this fic really ends up being about is like the workings of empire essentially (laughs) and i think i think that's where we see sort of like that's where we see amir as someone who isn't like a main character in this fic necessarily in terms of like screen time but who shapes everything um because not only is it amir sending dandelion and girl off on these quests but it's amir crafting the world in which they're inhabiting um and i think a lot of this fic is actually about Geralt realizing that and like coming to terms with Amir's vision for the world and essentially like falling in love with the empire he's creating and it's actually like horribly romantic once you like think about it at the end (laughs) because you realize that this whole time like there are these scenes where Geralt will sort of be like why are you doing this or like why is he he meaning Amir doing this and Dandelion's always like what I don't know bro he's an emperor like that's just his thing but girl is obviously like very distraught about it it's like it's like girl goes out and and sees what Amir's doing and then has a feeling about it and then has to run off for a year so he he doesn't have to confront that feeling um and then he comes back and does a job for Amir and then they make a blood oath so <laughs> that's this fic <laughs> Okay, so uh, towards the end of this fic, 
after this like huge job has just been done and this like evil crone is defeated, they go back to Amir and Amir. Okay, Dandelion is there, just in the corner of this room the whole time, like, why the fuck am I here? Yeah. But basically, like, Amir offers Grell, he's like, thanks for doing this job. You can pick either this chest full of money so that you will never want for anything in the rest of your life, or this old sword, and Grell's like, what the fuck is this? And Amir's like, this is the sword of my house, Var Emrys, I think is how you pronounce it. He's like, this is the sword of my house, and basically, like, taking the sword as you pledging yourself to me, Dandelion, again, is like, Haha, wow, wild to think that Geralt would do anything but pick the money. And Geralt is, like, having this, like, tortured thing. And then, um... And it's not even about the money. He's not even worried about the money. He's worried about the symbolism of choosing or not choosing the sword. And Dandelion's like, look at all that gold. Yeah, exactly. Well, Amir says to him, like, I, you'll never have this choice again. This yeah. is your one time to make this choice. Ultimatum. So, make it. Love me or leave me. Figlet's, this is all happening. Dandelion is like, what... Uh, what am I? What am I witnessing? And Amir offers Geralt the gold, um, and basically says, like, if you take it, like, like as Brenda, like, if you take it, like, this is the only time you'll have this option to choose. And says, I have made do with lesser men all my life. I will manage, but I will not pursue you clamoring for your aid and let you refuse me from time to time to make a pretense of your freedom. I have let you stand inside my heart. Choose. And then it goes. Geralt shut his eyes and said in a raw and desperate voice the sword, as though he could not bear to do otherwise. And then they both cut their hands open on the sword and literally make a blood oath, and I was screaming, just screaming. I feel like I finally understand, because the two of you for so long have been like, oh, your blood oath, Emir, or whatever you say, I don't know. (laughs) You reference it frequently, and I never really knew it was happening. Now I understand. Well, to be fair, we've talked about blood oaths for like, a few people <laughs> sure this is not the first time we were like a feral screaming in a parking lot either in in real life or metaphorically mm. about what if okay this fic so many of the scenes are like dandelion like i'm dandelion and i'm going about the world and like he has such a positive outlook on things and the way he relates stories to us his audience is overall fairly lighthearted, even if the things that are happening are quite serious or violent. Um, but these few scenes that we get where he's just basically watching Geralt and Amir, like, because his interior, like, point of view dialogue to us is such a different tone than the way Geralt and Amir talk to each other, like, those scenes hit so hard. And throughout the fic, like, the few times that they talk to each other, it's so loaded with meaning. And Dandelion's like, ah, what? <laughs> like, each time. And at the end, he's, like, just so bewildered by Geralt making this choice. Um, but it's so good and so intense. And I think one of the reasons it's so good is because it it's not like it comes out of nowhere, but it just sort of blindsides you and you're just like hit in the face with it. And then once you realize what it what it is, like it informs everything else that you've read so far. Um, because throughout this fic, like Geralt and Amir seem to sort of be having these unspoken conversations that Dandelion like doesn't understand. And the point right before this final scene is basically like Geralt goes into the bog to fight the crone um, and... Without ever having talked about it, Amir sends backup and Geralt calls for the backup. And Dandelion's basically like, ah ha ha, that was nice planning on like you and Amir's <laughs> part. Like, wh- when did you do that? And he was like, 
no, I didn't know he was going to do that. And Amira's like, yeah, like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just this sort of, like, they're so in sync yeah. in a way that Dandelion, like, can't even wrap his head around, I think. Um, but that last scene, like, truly, I I wanted to just, like, go up onto a mountain and scream. Because, um, like, they do this formal ritual and it's so intense. Yeah. And it's, like, and towards the end, it's, like, um... <clears throat> But he only sought for words for lack of knowing the formal ritual, and abruptly he looked Amir squarely in the face and said simply, I'm yours. I swear it. Like, hello? (laughs) Excuse me? I'm attacked in my own home like this? (laughs) Like, I think part of it, too, like, I think part of Dandelion's, like, absolute bewilderment at all of this is that to Dandelion, Amir very much is this, like, very intimidating and imposing emperor who has conquered pretty much the entire con- uh, continent because like that is how almost everyone mm-hmm. views him like yeah. Amir is someone to be feared and respected and like that is how mm-hmm. da- Dandelion sees him but in the game when Amir calls on Geralt for the first time like when you encounter him for the first time even then Geralt does not give a shit or at least like does not like externally care at all for the pretense that Amir is this um conquering king and I think that's also one of the things that I just love so much about girl and Amir is that there are people who find almost no equals by nature of like who they are and they find that in each other like they're I think what makes girl and Amir work as a ship for me is that so often they surprise one another and they push one another in a way that like almost no one else in their life can um and so it makes sense that girl would have this like, rapport with Amir that he'd, even from the very beginning, like, even before things start to develop with them, like, he's still, like, pushing back, whereas Dandelion is, like, one, confused as fuck, and two, like, haha, Geralt, you can't say those things to the Emperor, and Geralt's like, I will say whatever the fuck I want, thank you very much. The introduction that we get to Amir in this fic is, I think, amazing, and really shows a lot of what you were just talking about, because it's, like, Dandelion's nephew gets into a fight with some prince that just inherited, like, what, a a few weeks before, I think. (laughs) It was like, I thought the emperor was just some mother old stuffy guy who didn't care about anything. And ooh, no, it turns out they all have an official audience with the emperor to resolve this quarrel they had in the street. Um, And Geralt at the end of that is like, after speaking out of turn and just talking directly to Amir, is like, okay, like, when does he actually want to talk to me? And Dandelion's like, ah, that seems kind of presumptuous. <laughs> and Girl is like, no, he, this is not what he spends his time doing. Like, he wanted to see me. And just the confidence with which he says that, and Dandelion's like, baffled and like, uh, okay. Also, you seem mad about it. So why do you keep going back to him? That's kind of weird. Um, and Dandelion gets roped into this whole thing because it's about music and he's a bard, da da da, and then he just continues to be roped into stuff. But I really loved, like, how much is unspoken, but how much you can glean even as Dandelion is not gleaning it from their interactions. I think that is such a difficult balance to strike, and I thought it was really, really well done here because I really was able to pick up on a lot of stuff, even not knowing the canon, not really knowing, like, their situation. I still was like, ah, oh... <laughs> Yeah, and I think, like, for me, this was a reread for me for the pod. So, like, I knew what happened at the end, and, like, that informed my reading of everything else. I think that was sort of what I was saying. Like, at the end, looking back, you sort of have all these realizations, but then rereading it from the top, like, really, like, drove that point home, I think. And I think one of the things so wonderful about this fic to me is sort of 
Geralt's, like, resentment at falling in love. <laughs> like, Geralt is a character that you would not think would be a fan of the Empire. He's very much, like, all on his own. Lone like wolf. Lone wolf. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... You know, you he's like he's from the north, and Nilfgaard's in the south, and it's basically like Nilf Nilfgaard and Emir are like conquering the north. Um, and you'd think he'd be pretty resentful of that, but then the fic is basically him seeing that what Emir has brought to the north isn't just like conquering for the sake of conquering, but it's to build stability and peace and hope for the people, and he like falls in love with that concept essentially, and like what he sees out like in in the world and rereading it this time I was like oh my god at like some of these moments that like maybe aren't that big initially um wait let me find one uh so there's a scene like halfway through the fic maybe where uh Geralt and Dandelion are on the road up to the bog where uh Amir's like work crews are having trouble and they stop in this village and Dandelion's like wow this village has never looked like this before like what a happening spot like there's all this trade there's all this commerce they go to this like nice tavern have a good meal have some good ale and um they're sort of remarking on this as they leave and uh Geralt sort of makes the point to Dandelion, like, this didn't just happen. Like, this is exactly what Amir is trying to do. Like, it's not just about the commerce. Um, it's not the commerce. It's the hope. There wasn't any. But no one in that village is going to be cutting off their ears for the crones or sending their kids down to the Trail of Treats, Geralt said softly. And I had heard enough whispered legends to allow me to imagine the horrors that had laid such a shadow on my friend's heart. So maybe it isn't magic, but whatever it is, I'll take it. And I feel like that's the moment that you, like, fucking yeah. know. But, like, it hit harder on a reread because, like, I knew what happened at the end with, like, that sort of, like, scene between Geralt and Amir, like, yeah. that, like, the actual culmination of this. Um, ah, it was just so good. Like, I don't want to be someone who's like, yeah, Empire, <laughs> Nilfgaard, <Sure>. conquering <laughs> everything. Like, we love Empire. But... That's sort of what this fic is. <laughs> and I think it's such a good take on, like, Geralt and Amir's, like, romance. That, like, what it is about Amir that Geralt would fall for. There's a scene that I have to bring up because I loved it so, so, so much. Um, sort of what I was saying at the beginning of this discussion about how I think this fic really nails the things that I love the most about this game. And about, like, morality and stuff. Um, so when they go into the bog uh, to sort of, like, scope out the scene... Um, Geralt ends up encountering a godling named Johnny, and godlings are essentially, like, they're creatures that, like, mostly look like kids, but a little bit eldritch, like, a little bit unsettling for a few different reasons. Um, and their their interaction is, like, very, I don't want to say, like, tender, but Geralt is very careful with how he interacts with Johnny. Um, and the there's so much that happens there that I really love, but I think for me it's about, um, I think I said this maybe in our previous discussion with a different Witcher fic, but so often the game poses the question of like, what do you think of as like, quote unquote, good, and then challenges that assumption? Like, there are monsters in the game that do not look like monsters, and then there are creatures like the goblins, which like are unsettling. Like when I encountered Johnny for the first time in the game, I was like, ah, like my instinct was to be like, I don't know if this is going to be something I have to fight, but actually like, he's just, a little creature boy who's doing his best and, like, is friends with the local kids to the best of his ability. Um, like, yeah, like, the monsters might be a little bit weird or unsettling, but, like, they're only monsters because they look different to us. Um, and something about Garel, like, especially 
in the ways that when which you can choose to like pilot him as a character like he treats people and non-humans with care that they are not often shown um he himself is so often treated as a monster because of being a witcher um and so he is more thoughtful in in not making assumptions um but also in trying to see people for like who they are um I don't know. It's it's something that I really, really love about the game. Again, is there's a lot of like gray morality. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of the notion that things are not always black and white or or strictly good. It's about your perspective and how you see them. Um, and this like the scene with Johnny in this fic like really embodied that for me in showing how Geralt interacts with the world and also I think showing a little bit of what the game questions and like asks you as a player to like question and think about. Yeah. One other thing I really liked about that scene in particular was it's one of the opportunities for Dandelion to be like genuinely helpful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like in, in that scene, Dandelion sort of steps in and is like, Johnny, like, let me write uh, like a song about you that yeah. I'll sing to everyone because Johnny's like, oh, everyone will just see me as a monster coming through here. Like, they'll, they'll, you know, want to kill me, basically. And Dandelion's like, well, not if I tell everyone, like, you're a friend to people and you'll give them good luck and all of these things. It was so charming. And, like, I really like these scenes where it gives Dandelion room to be good at what he's good at because the thing is, he's not good at what Geralt's good at. So if, if the Fick is doing what Geralt's good at. Dandelion's just like, ha, ah, what? Um, but Dandelion's very good at the things he is actually good at, and those are being a bard. And the first sort of assignment that Geralt and um, Dandelion are set off on by Amir is, like I said at the very beginning, to find the bard who wrote this song. And uh, Dandelion basically explains to Amir that the reason the song got so popular is because it's unfinished, but in your head you expect it to be finished. So you keep singing it, expecting it to be finished when it's not, because it sort of sounds like other things you know, like you know the rhyming pattern, so your head expects to have these lines that you don't have. And it's this first time where we're like, oh, like Dandelion's really yes. good at the things he actually knows about. And I was just really grateful that even though Dandelion is this very funny character, He's still allowed to be competent in the ways that make sense for him. All right, so that was Incomplete by Astolat. Um, It is a fic about a great bard named Dandelion who's friends with a great witcher named Geralt who falls in love with a great emperor named Amir. Um, It is a fic that is kind of about hope and love and the workings of empire, um, but is also just incredibly charming to read, feels very literary, um, is kind of a masterpiece in like how to make fic that's really canon compliant also really accessible to people who don't know canon which is something i just absolutely adore um i honestly love all of astolat's witcher fics go read them if this like piqued your curiosity at all and then come yell at them nope don't yell at them come yell at me in our discord about them (laughs) uh all right thanks for listening Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Um, We had fun, so I hope you did as well. Um, If you're looking for more of us, FitClick, you can find us on Twitter at FitClick and on Tumblr at FitClick. Via our Twitter, you can also find our email if you'd like to email us at FitClick. 
clickpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also find links to our Discord, uh, which is really great. We have a lot of fun over there with some of our ficlets. Um, if you're at all interested, I would highly recommend joining. And you can also find our merch over at Redbubble. Our next episode comes out on August 21st, so please get your hype horns ready. Um, the fic that I am going to be bringing is called His Own Strange Altar by VX Mins, and it is a BTS fic. It is for, or it's tagged for Kim Tae-young, Park Jimin. So really excited about this one. Reed, what are you bringing? My fic is This is a Kind of Grief by... Okay, let's just, my best shot at this author name is Nememory? Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Um, it is a Critical Role Campaign 2 fic. Um, it's tagged for Yasha Bo, but honestly, that is, like, incredibly background. Um, the author tags it as, like, basically non-existent. First and foremost, this is a Yasha character study. Um, yeah, I'm really pumped about it. Bren, what are you bringing? Yeah, so I'm going to bring the fic Strange Darling by Etymology Playground. Um, it is a fic for the TV show The Untamed, and it is Long Wanji Wei Wuxian. And I'm really excited to be going back to these characters. It's a very to different tone um, than the last fic, and I'm excited about it. All right, we will catch you all then. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye!